Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. So we're going we're gonna to do something this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus' love. And I've called my message this morning, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Or I actually call it, Yes, Jesus Loves You. Does, yeah, exactly. Why? How do we know? The Bible tells me so. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> should do that more often. Uh, we are, as you know, going through the book of Romans together, and it's been wonderful to go through such a, a rich and amazing and incredible and weighty and significant book that just tells us so much about who we are, what we're to do, and what we're to expect, yeah. our identity, our purpose, and our destiny. Yeah. And uh, it's all laid out for us in the book of Romans. And uh, we've been sending out a reading plan uh, once a week, a chapter at a time, to read through the book of Romans together. And I just want to flag it again and remind you, that's what we're doing. Uh, This week has been Romans 11. You'll have an email on a Monday morning with a little blurb, a little kind of devotional bit to read and a prayer that's in line with the chapter that we're reading together that week. I just want to encourage everybody here, no matter how old or young you are, can I encourage you to read through Romans and that we do that together. So this week's going to be Romans 12. I mean, what a great... If you've not been doing it yet, start in Romans 12 and then add Romans 1 to the list this week. Two chapters in one week. It's not too much to ask. And just double up for a bit. It'll do you good, okay? Um, We're going to be in Romans a little while longer anyway, but who was here last Sunday? Could you give me a little wave? And Chris preached the word last Sunday from Romans 8.28. I love it when Chris preaches. I'm always like, I wish I, could, I wish I could see things in the Word the way that Chris sees them, and I wish I could communicate them the way that Chris communicates them. There's such a richness and a depth to what Chris shares with us. And he, he preached from Romans 8:28, and he talked about God, um, that we can um, expect good things to happen in our lives. God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And he unpacked that for us. And I'd like to read some verses that incorporate that from the message, but I want to carry on and finish Romans 8. But I'm going to do that from the message translation, okay? So one of the things that we've done, you might have noticed in our weekly Romans readings, is under Chris's instruction and his great wisdom to use different translations just so that we're looking at uh, chapters in different ways, which is really good to do. And it says this in Romans 8, 27. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. That's quite an interesting statement, isn't it? God knows us far better than we even know ourselves. I mean, I've been living with myself for quite a long time now. All my life, actually. And yet God knows me better than I know myself. Which means this, I have to trust him more than I trust myself. He knows our pregnant condition and he keeps us 
present before himself. That's why we can be so sure, this is verse 28, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Every detail of our lives as we love God, as we serve Him, as we follow His purposes, of those who are redeemed by Him, as we live that way, every detail of our, details of our lives is worked into something good. I want to make this statement. This actually says this year, but this is what it says. God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. Two things. Firstly, God knows you better than you know yourself. And secondly, God knows what he's doing. And he's always known what he's doing. God's never got to a point in history and thought, oh man, I didn't think this bit through. (laughs) God does not wing it. We wing it sometimes. Sometimes a lot. God never wings anything. God knows everything. God has set everything up according to his plan and his purpose. And it is unchanging, unshakable, unalterable. God knows what he's doing. He knows you, and he knows what he's doing. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. If you love Jesus, could you just indicate that by raising your hand yet again? If you get tired arms by the end of this, you can just put it in your fitness pal and have an extra Yorkshire pudding, okay? (laughs) He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him. So if you love him, this is what God is doing. He's shaping your life along the same lines as the life of his son. The son who stands first in the line of humanity, he restored. Jesus has restored humanity. It's in Jesus' work. He's the firstborn among all. He's our, and I say this reverently, our big brother. He came first and he sets the pattern for everyone else, each one of us. Because we are now, as it says at the beginning of Romans 8, sons of God. Those who have given their lives to God are sons of God. And the Holy Spirit helps us to understand that and to grasp that. The Son stands first in the line of humanity He restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. After God made that decision of what His children should be like, He followed it up by calling them by name. And He called them by name. And then he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Other versions say it this way. God chose you. God has chosen you. Hands up, if you've played any sport recently where somebody's had to pick you to be in their team. Oh, that's so destroying at times, isn't it? When you're standing in that line and you've got two captains and there you are, a big line of you and you're about to play a game or something and then you're like, oh, I really hope I'm at least in the top five. And there's only six of you standing there, but (laughs) you'll take it. But here's the thing, God has chosen you. And it's wonderful to know that you're chosen, but then it says this, and he called you. No, you can be chosen and know you're chosen and not do anything about it. You can just stay where you are. But God didn't just leave us chosen. He then called us to himself. And then you think, wow, God is calling me to himself. And you begin to think about you. (laughs) 
and you begin to think about God and you begin to realize the chasm of goodness to me, of holiness to me, of awesomeness to me, of eternal, eternal, eternalness to me. Eternity to me? From me to eternity? Eternity to me? And yet he calls us to him and then he does this. Then he gives us right standing to be close to him because of what Jesus has done for us. He's chosen you. He's calling you. He's made you right before himself and then he's put his glory on you. And he said, what I've begun in you, that's it now. The process has begun and nothing is going to knock that off track. You're going from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Why? Because God has begun a good work and what God begins, he finishes. I don't know what personality type you are in team building language. I don't know if you're an initiator or a team worker or a complete finisher. But I'm here to tell you this. God is an initiator and he's a complete finisher and everything in between. And don't try and do anything outside of his love for you, his power for you that he's given by his Holy Spirit. And then he asks us five questions. And I put the five questions up on the on the screen here. And these are questions for Christians, okay? So if, if you're a Christian, you can answer these questions. You could be six years old or seven years old. You could be in year two in school. But if you know Jesus, you could actually get these questions right. So papers are going to be handed out in a minute. Please don't peek anybody else's answers. But he asks us five questions. Verse 31 is question one. Verse 32 is question two. And so on, all the way through to verse 35. And and the first question is this. If God is on our side like this, how can we lose? Or if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer? No one can successfully be against us if God is for us. That doesn't mean people won't be against us. There's plenty of things that come against us. There's an enemy who's against us, but he will never succeed because God is for us. Oh, that's a, I like that question. I like that answer. Second question, verse 32. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, is there anything he wouldn't gladly do? I don't think that should be reply. Let me just read it in here. Isn't there anything he would, would not gladly and freely do for us. You know what? The work that God wants to do in you and me, in us, He does it gladly and He does it freely. We were together as elders and wives. One thing we want to do together is fast regularly to see complete breakthroughs and see things transcend, see the power of God move among us in ways that we haven't yet seen, certainly not consistently, because we believe there's something for us. But, But as we were talking about fasting yesterday, fasting is not getting... God in a half Nelson. It's not like, well, God, I'm going on hunger strike. And we twist his arm, and then God's like, oh, okay, I'll bless you then. Because you look a bit emaciated, and I want you to eat something. No, it, it changes us, not him. He doesn't need to change. But he gladly and freely will give us all that we need. All that we need. All that we need that he knows we need. So if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, is there anything he would not gladly and freely do for us? No. That was an easy one. 
save ink on that one. Question three. Who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of his chosen? Says this. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Again, there may be plenty of charges that the enemy will try and bring against you. There may be plenty of charges others will try and bring against you. But in the court of heaven, as we stand cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, nothing sticks. Because God has done it. God has done the work. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. Who would dare even point a finger at us? No one. If they've got any sense. And question five. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? No. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of Christ. We've sung this morning about his faithfulness. We've sung this morning about his goodness. And I want to say this to you. Nothing will drive a wedge now between you and Jesus Christ. One of, some of the things I, I, I recognize as I read these verses is firstly, Jesus loves you. He loves me now. He's presently loving us. It's great that he loved me and died for me. It's great that he loved me and sent his Holy Spirit when he ascended back to the Father in glory. That's great. But here's the amazing thing. Right now, at this very moment in time, he loves me. He looks at me. He sees me. Knows me better than I know myself. Knows the beginning from the end. And he looks at me and he looks at me and he says, I love you. Joe Weiwei, Jesus loves you. At this very moment in time. And that will not change. It's an eternal, faithful, self-initiating, unconditional, constant, powerful, incredible love that he has for you and for me, and it's now. And it's a love that he has for us who belong to him. Yes, God loves all people, but he has a peculiar love for his people. We need to understand that. You're his favorite. Says in Romans 2, no, God has no favorites, but you're his favorite. Because you belong to him. He's married to you. He's married to us. He's made a covenant with us. You know, he, he extended the invitation. And then as soon as we accept that, he's like, that's it. I'm in you. You're in me. A covenant has been made. And nothing can separate you from that. Nothing can split you from that. Nothing can divorce you from that because he is faithful to the end. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He loves you now. He's covenanted himself to you now. And he'll never stop loving you. And nothing can separate you from his love. And yet Paul says, nothing will separate you, but here's a list of things that you're probably now going to come up with that suggest that actually, Paul, you've clearly not thought this through. Because I've got a list of seven things here that definitely could separate me from his love. Trouble, hard times, hatred, hunger, homelessness, bullying threats, backstabbing. And Paul says, none of those things can separate you from my love. So I would like some volunteers from Hot Rock 4 and 5. I need seven Hot Rock five, uh, 4 and 5 volunteers. So Ollie Sneesby, you've been nominated by your dad. Come on down. 
Come on, Ollie. I actually had you in my mind as somebody that I would like to come down. Oh. Relax at the back, are we? Anybody else from Hot Rock 405 would like to come down and be involved in this little bit of arts and crafts? Elijah, I think, yeah, come on down. So we've got one, two, got one, two three, four, five, six. We just need one more brave. How are you doing? You okay? One more? Benjamin, would you come down? No? Okay. Yeah? Can we have a coal? Oh, we've got a queue. Come on down. Let's give our volunteers a round of applause. Now you've come down. I need you to come up on the stage, okay? <clears throat> We've been talking about nothing being able to separate us from the love of Jesus, okay? I don't know why I'm telling you that. You've been in here for the last 20 minutes, but if you could just stand in a nice line there, so that's great. Beautiful. Thank you very much. All right. Could I ask you just to say your name so everybody knows who you are? You know who you are and your parents do, but not everybody else. What's your name? Joel. Joel. Can we give Joel a round of applause? Excellent. My name's Ellie. Whoa. Great. Thank you, Ellie. Ethan. Ethan. Elijah. Elijah. Ollie. Ollie. James. James. Reuben. Reuben. Round of applause for everyone. Great. Okay. All right. Joel, I love that smile. So here we go. This is our lives before we receive Jesus Christ. Okay? And it's open-topped. And pressure comes. Things spill out. You turn it upside down. Things pour out. We're a mess without him. But the Bible tells us this, that when we were saved, God poured his love into us by his Holy Spirit. And I want to represent the love of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Easy. Easy. I have shaky hands at the best of time, let alone when I'm standing in front of a couple of hundred people. There we go. His love comes into our lives. Now then, this has been transformed. God's love has been poured into us, and then this is what he does. He seals us with his Holy Spirit. Puts a seal on us. He says that, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. All right? And then it describes these things that come. So, Joel, are you feeling strong right now? Yeah. Because this is what can happen to it. Oh, he's very confident. Well done, Chloe. <laughs> well done, Chloe. I want you to put as much pressure, because the first thing Paul says that we will face that could cause Jesus' love to be separated from us, so push all this blackcurrant juice back out of the water so they're separate again. I want you to squeeze this bottle as hard as you can, okay? okay. All right. One, two, three. Squeeze! Okay, have a look. Has any of the blackcurrant come out of the water? Nothing. Wow, pressure doesn't work. No. <laughs> all right. Ellie, I remember because you said it so confidently. Never stop doing that. Okay. Now then, the other thing that says what can happen is hard times where we get really shaken up by things, okay? So I want you to shake that black currant juice out of that water. 
One, two, three. No, really shake it. Can we give her a cheer on? Come on. Come on, Abby, you can do it. Okay, stop. I hate to tell you this, but nothing's changed. The black current is still in the water. It's got a bit bubbly, but nothing wrong with that. Okay, I want you to hold this for me a minute, Ethan. And I'm going to remind myself what analogy I was going to use for this bit. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay, I want you to heat that up. So persecution, the heat is on, okay? Yeah. We've had pressure, we've had shaking, but I want you to do your best to sort of warm it up. So create your, this kind of human heat system that somehow, okay, think, think that's great, I like that. It's like a baby bottle of Ribena. Okay, let's have a look, let's have a look. The heat is on, has anything happened? No, nothing's changed. Don't feel bad. Elijah, I want you to take that and I want you to cool it down. I want you to, make, I want you to put that in the cold. So I want you to make it as cold as you possibly can. Congratulations on getting the really difficult task. <laughs> Just holding it away. If you did that all of last night, that would have got cold, wouldn't it? And so would you. Huh? Has it changed anything? No. Okay, Ollie, I want you to put this somewhere and then walk away from it. I just want you to, just hit, it's just dead to you, isn't it? Abandoned, left. I want you to leave it now for three weeks. Okay, pretend three weeks has gone past because otherwise we've got roasts and stuff. <laughs> has anything changed? Still exactly the same. Okay, right then. James, I need you to do some really good acting work here. I want you to bully that. I want you to say things. <laughs> I want you to threaten. That blackcurrant juice, that if it doesn't come out of the water, if the water doesn't come out of the blackcurrant juice, you're going to duff it up. Ooh! All right. Anything? No? Okay. I feel a bit sorry for this bottle. And then I want you to just... The last thing, okay? It says backstabbing it there, but I don't think... Sword is the word that's used in the Bible. And that actually means death. So I want you to drop it. Okay, I want you to hold it up. Oh, that got a reaction. <laughs> and I want you to drop it to the floor, and I want to see if anything changes. Just, just let it drop, though. Don't throw it down. Like, Okay. Death. Is there anything separate? Guys, can you have a look? Is the black current, has is, is it floated to the top? No. Thank you, Ollie. No? Nothing in this, everything that we've done, okay? We've brought trouble, hard times, hatred, hunger. We've abandoned it. We've threatened it. We've smacked it a little bit. We've dropped it, and yet nothing is separate. Can we give our volunteers a round of applause? <laughs> nothing. Go back to your seats, guys. Can I take some drink? <laughs> yeah. We're going to break bread together in a minute, and I just want to say this. Nothing will separate you. Paul goes on to describe and he goes on to talk about some of the things then that they face. And in fact, the next thing that he says is he quotes from Isaiah and he says this, they kill us in cold blood because they hate you, God. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. Paul is not saying that being loved by Jesus means that you get an easy ride. He's not saying you're not going to face these things. 
but that the hope that we have, the confidence that we have, the relationship that we have with him, none of those things will ever separate you from his love. Nothing. We stood together today. People might be facing some of these things in very real and practical ways, but I want to tell you this. Jesus' love is completely and utterly towards you, for you. Nothing will drive a wedge between you. You and him are together forever. That's our hope. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced. Can you please say with me, absolutely convinced. Now say, I am absolutely convinced. That nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. And then it says this. None of those things can happen. None of those things can separate us from his love because of this, because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. I just chose that chunk of scripture purely for those last few words. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. He has embraced you and me in a way that is inseparable, dependent entirely on his embrace, on his strength, on his arms, on him surrounding us. And it's wonderful. You know, we talked about him being in us. We poured the the juice into that. But there's just one other thing I, I would like to do. Just one more volunteer from Hot Rock 405, just before we break bread. Alex is pointing in a knowing way. A coal, come over here, come on. You have to remind me of your name. Isaac. That's a great name. I should have known that name. Can we give Isaac a round of applause, please? Come on, Isaac. This is our last little thing, okay? Didn't you know you're going to do a bit of baking today? Yes. Wow, Joe, that's good enthusiasm. All right. This represents us this morning, individual items of flour that could so easily be separated from each other. Doesn't take much, does it, to separate out flour? Almost wants to be separate. Look, stuff's just jumping out before it's even gone in the bowl. It's like, I'm free. (laughs) That's what flour sounds like. Okay. So here we have our flour, and that represents each one of us before, oh dear, get the hoover on that. Before we come to Jesus, we're all separate. We all do our own thing. We all want to be independent, okay? I know everybody else is listening, but... So here's your spatula. It's, um, what does it say on there? Little home at John Lewis. Other spatulas are available. (laughs) And you know what? When we receive Jesus, represented by this water, this is what happens. Can you stir that for me, please, Isaac? Mm-hmm. Get in there. I didn't get your opinion. I'm sorry about that. But if you just give that a stir, get all that mixed together. You want to kneel down and just mix that for me for a minute? You know, as we break bread today, 
okay. Don't do that to me. I thought that was the flower. (laughs) We're going to take the cup, and as we take it, we're going to understand afresh the love that Jesus has for us. And in fact, I'd like us to take the cup before the bread. Controversial. But just to represent that, his love for us and his blood that was shed for us that gives us life. Covenant-making, covenant-committed life and love with him. So we're going to take that cup together first, and then we're going to break the bread. But Isaac, how are you doing? Good. Good. I keep stirring it. Great job. I'm going to put you a bit more water in. It's supposed to be half water to flour, but we'll wing it. And my God. Good job. But here's the thing as well. As we come together around the table, he has brought us together. We've already exemplified that as we've stood together in worship. And as we take this meal together, my prayer is right now that we will recognize afresh the covenant love of Jesus. You're doing a good job. And the way that that has brought us together this morning. Can I ask that the table be brought to the center? I would like... If you've, if you've been walking with Jesus, if you've known him and given your life to him for more than 20 years, could you just stand for a moment? Wow. That's great. I should be really surprised and say, no way, surely not that long. You know, you look so young. But I'm not going to. If it's been more than 30 years, if you could stay standing, but if it's between 20, if you're you're 20 to 30, but not 30 or more, if you could sit again. Sorry, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. If it's 35 or more, stay standing. (laughs) If it's 40 or more, stay standing. All right. I wanted to just ask those who've been walking with him and have known his faithfulness for a long time in their lives to serve the bread this morning. Is that okay? It's not to demean anybody else and how long you've been walking with the Lord, but I want to just make a statement this morning about his faithfulness because you're walking with him today after 40 or more years because of his faithfulness to you. How are we getting on with that, Isaac? Wow, that's been really well bound together. What do they do on Bake Off with meringues? (laughs) No, I won't do it. Isaac, thank you. Go and grab a seat. Well done. Great job. So if you're, uh, for you guys in this side here, if if you've stood, if you just come forward for a moment, if everybody else would just sit, I will ask others to come forward in a minute, but to distribute the wine. But if, Rich, would you just come and pray for us? I want to say this right now as well and give you this opportunity. If you've never made that commitment to Jesus, if you've never made him your Lord, you've never committed yourself to him, his invitation to you is real and alive and present this morning. He wants you to know him. And this meal is for believers. This meal is for those who've made that statement of faith and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that's who this meal is for this morning. But I don't want you to miss out. You can also take part in this if you've never done that by making that choice, by doing that this morning. And I'm going to ask Alex. Alex, if you would just wait at the back there. If you want to pray with somebody to make that commitment, Alex there will stand with you and he'll pray with you. Okay. Rich, over to you, please. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. 
visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you.